Good morning, everyone. Yeah, so compared to uh, the joyful atmosphere, to, uh, today's uh, verses are quite uh, heavy. So I will read for you guys. <clears throat> Flee for safety, people of Benjamin. Flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Bet Hekkerim, for disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. I will destroy the daughter of Zion, so beautiful and delicate. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They will pitch their tents around her, each tending his own portion. Prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading, and the shadows of evening grow long. So arise, let us attack at, no at night and destroy her fortresses. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Cut down the trees and build siege ramps against Jerusalem. This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. As a whale pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and woods are ever before me. Take warning, O Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so no one can live in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Let them glean the remnant of Israel as thoroughly as a vine. Pass your hand over the branches again, like when gathering grapes. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed, so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it, but I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold, hold it in. Put it out on the children in the street and on the young men gathered together. Both husband and wife will be caught in it, and the old those weighed down with years. Their houses will be turned over to others, together with their fields and their wives. When I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord, from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wood of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, Where they, when there is no peace. Are they shamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, 
we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, We will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations. Observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I am bringing disaster on these people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your bird offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will put obstacles before these people. Fathers and sons alike will stumble over them. Neighbors and friends will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Chalu, for that, and everyone for leading us in this time of worship. And thank you all for coming this morning. Good morning, friends. Now, if you are joining us for the first time, we as a church over the last few weeks have been going through these six first chapters of the book of Jeremiah and took the theme of the ancient path from that verse 16 of Jeremiah. And if I can read again that verse, where it says, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroad and look, ask for the ancient path, ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. The ancient path. We looked at uh, the path of realization, the path of repentance, the path of reverent fear, and this morning, as uh, you'll see on the screen, the ancient path of a closer walk with God. This is where we will end, God willing, this uh, section of uh, Jeremiah before we return next week, God willing, to our theme of the year, the theme of prayer. Join me in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is available to us. We thank you for the freedom we have to walk through the open doors of a building like this and come and listen to your word being read, proclaimed, to have time to worship you. As now we turn 
our mind, our heart, our whole being to the proclamation of your word. May what you have given me, may the meditation of our heart as we engage in listening, may all our thought be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Use me, Lord, by the power of your spirit, for your glory, and for the building up of your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is looking for a walking partner. God is looking for a walking partner. A walking relationship that involves companionship, dialogue, intimacy, mutual delight, and even shared dominion. God longs to walk with you. I don't know which friends you like going for a walk. Apart from Jesus, my best friend is my wife. But when we go for a walk, she walked too fast. <laughs> and I had to say time and again, please, darling, slow down. So I like going for a walk with her, but I like going more for a walk with Lindsay because we go slowly, 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 and stand and chat. God is looking for a, a partner to walk with. Now, he may go on a pace which you don't like. He may go faster. He may be slow. He may take you through values, valleys where you don't want to go to. By his grace, he always longs to pull you into a closer walk with him. His aim is that uh, you may have an everyday walk of unbroken communion with him as a friend. So he's searching and indeed, the call for God's people to walk with God is louder and clearer. Particularly in these first six chapters of uh, Jeremiah. You may say, as uh, Jalu read, but I don't see that so far in these 21st verses. Well, I said this is a whole section. The call to walk closely with God actually started already in Jeremiah's first sermon. Let's come back to chapter 2 and from verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. In contrast to verse 5, 
we read how God remembered his people closely walking with him. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. These are the words that God gave to Jeremiah. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert. That sentence there, and followed me. In other words, and walked after me. Walked after me through the wilderness with the Lord himself leading the way. And how with an emotional love demonstrated in faithful and wholeheartedly allegiance, these people were prepared to follow him out into the danger and familiar path and uncertainties of the wilderness, but so deeply trusting the Lord to protect them and provide for them. And you come to verse 5, God is appalled to see that they stopped following him, but now they followed after worthless idols. Look at verse 5. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your father find in me? What they, that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless. They walked after worthless. So clearly, there's something going on here. The people of God have stopped walking with God or walking after God, as God is leading the way. They have gone through things which, as we saw at the beginning of this series, they went after things of no value, no benefit, no worth, something completely futile, vanity, and emptiness. It reminded me that in the 70s, there was a, a band called the Seekers. Some of you know, but the younger ones, they don't. So the Who, I think it's going on the screen. They call them the Who, the Seekers. And they, 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 they had songs. And one of those songs goes, they call me Seeker. I've been searching low and high. In that song, there Repeated punchline of the song's lyric goes like this. I won't get to get what I am after till I die. In other words, I'm seeking, I'm pursuing, I'm pursuing, I can't get it. We are in a stage where people, after, 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 thirst, 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 thirst. There is no satisfaction because of turning our back against the Lord. That would happen to the people of God in those days. So besides not getting to get what they were after, the abandonment after of their God 
did also bring impending just judgment or disaster. In other words, already back in the tournament, God outlined the discipline he would use to correct his people when they walk was out of line with his revealed word. You can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, and all the way to verse 65. So now in the passage which we read, you can see already because they are forgotten, they, 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 they stopped walking with God. The disaster is just pending. In fact, our Bible there, the version we have, the NIV, the title there is basically saying, Jerusalem under siege. So this uh, uh, pending judgment is just there. And when you, you read the whole uh, uh, Jeremiah, you'll find that uh, soon they were going to suffer the loss of joy. And their present time of happiness will be gone. Look at uh, chapter 7, verse 34. Chapter 7, verse 34. And let me just read this, uh, verse, this, this verse. Chapter 7, verse 34. I, chapter 7, verse 34. I will bring an end to the sound of joy and gladness and to the voice of bride and bridegroom in the town of Judah and the street of Jerusalem for the land will become desolate. And the same you see in chapter 16, verse 9. The same you see in chapter 25, verse 10. Joy gone. In other words, friends, when we leave God and go after these other things, there is no joy. You may think, well, I have happiness, but it's only temporary. There's no lasting joy. So time and again, God through Jeremiah sounded the alarm to signal the impending invasion of the instrument that he was going to use. This is Babylon. To inflict this discipline on his disobedient people. He gave them good advice, counsels, were given to them in the midst of all this, but all in vain. Look at our chapter, which Jalu read to us. Good advice, counsel, verse 8. Take warning, O Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you. In other words, seize the opportunity, change the behavior, change your life. How about verse 16, where our theme of the series Take this good way and the path, and it will lead you to rest. In verse 17, you know, I'm, I'm giving you someone, but you are not listening. What struck me even when we began, that in chapter 25, after 23 years of Jeremiah ministry among them, I've been here only four years, and I've never been in a church for 23 years as a minister. But can you imagine, after 23 years, speaking to the same people. Come with me to chapter 25, verse 
3 and 4. Chapter 25, verse 3 and 4. Jeremiah is halfway of his ministry because his ministry span over 40 years. He's halfway already. And he says in verse 3 of chapter 25, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Amos, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me and have spoken to you again and again. But, and that's the sad but, but you have not listened. Verse 4. Even when he sent the prophet again and again, he did not listen. What were, what were they doing while they were not listening? Well, what they were doing, if you come to our passage in verse, verse 20 of Jeremiah 6, you'll find them busy doing all sorts of religious activities, religious rituals, and in idolatry as well in chapter 7, verse 30 and 31. In other words, they were busy doing other things, but not willing to do the needed thing. which was to listen to God, to repent, to change course, to follow him. They were not listening to that. They forgot that God's judgment could not be bought off with religious ritual. No matter how costly they are. Any religious activity or ritual was not acceptable to God when it was offered from the hands of such a people. And this is where, as a church, we need to be very careful of the doing, the doing, and the doing, and perhaps missing the needed thing. And not only as a church, but as individuals. Very easy we can go into the doing. Now, the doing is not bad. But if we miss the most important, then we are on the edge of a dangerous path. If you and I are living shamelessly in ways that do not please, we should not expect that our religious activity will please the Lord. He neither, or no, that's my English, he, he neither needed them, nor he wanted them. I don't have time. There are plenty of passages in the Bible where God is saying, stop all your other religious activity. Now, I, I, I'm new to the Baptist. I've been to another other congregation, denomination, and uh, time and again, uh, God gave me some, by his mercy, some courage to warn people, but it was for no prevail. And I wasn't the, the only one. Many of the colleagues warned, warned, warned. 
You see, friends, there is no substitute for obedience. In the Bible, to obey is better than sacrifice. What struck me when Jeremiah was bringing this word to the people, it's like his word was like a thunder. His message was what wasn't needed to the ear. No, what, what they did not like, but it is what they needed to hear. And when he was giving that message so that they might be either terrified or have some conviction of the sin and inclination to repent and look towards heaven, it seems that the false prophet and priest, look at verse 13 and verse 14, there were false priests and preachers or false prophets there who went about, as is a big word I wrote here, stifling. No, stifling. Is that the way? Thank you. They look at me, we don't know that. <laughs> stifling people's convictions. In other words, they were watering down people's conviction and telling them, ha ha, even if it hurts you, Is, is not, don't, don't listen to Jeremiah. He's just um, um, an enthusiastic preacher. He's just an eccentric preacher. Don't listen to him. He's just a scaremongeries. Don't listen. Nothing is going to happen to you. Peace, peace, peace. Be still. Where in reality there was no peace. Let's be aware of anyone who brings it to us peace, peace, without a condition to meet that peace. It's a false peace. Peace within you, peace with God, peace with one another cost Jesus to go on the cross. They were telling people, all is well, while the truth was nothing was well. People were hurting, and their hurt was severe. The disease was serious and terminal, but this false preacher came. Don't listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah saying, this required an urgent, urgent treatment. But they say, don't listen to him. They dressed up the wounds of the people. Superficial treatment to a very profound spiritual need. But when you read the chapter 8, verse 22, he said to them, God said, even the best healing like oil or palm will do nothing. This need, what you've been talking, a return to the ancient path. In essence, God was saying it to them through Jeremiah. True peace, deep peace, true rest. 
through harmony within yourself, harmony with God, and harmony with the people around you. This will only be obtained if you choose to walk closely with God. It's like God was making them too long for a closer walk. It's like God was telling them, like in the hymns, the words of Ahem writer, which we shall sing later. He was asking them, each one of them as God's people, pause. Pause and ask, where is the blessedness I knew when I first saw the Lord? Where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet the memory still, but they have left an aching void and the world cannot fill it. Pause and long for a closer walk with God. Do you long for it, my friend? Do I long for it? Do you want to start walking with God? Do you want to resume walking with him? What does it imply? How can I keep maintaining the closer walk with God? Is it exciting to walk with God or is it boring? I don't have all the answers to these questions. But let me say a few things. Firstly, two do not walk together along the road unless they first meet, chat, and agree to continue to walk. These words are coming from another prophet, Amos, in chapter 3, verse 3. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? God wants you to walk with him, but on agreement, not on your terms, but on his turn. A closer walk. In other words, be reconciled with him first. And this is what was the problem. These people have broken the relationship with God already. Look at chapter 3, verse 4. And look at verse 19 as well, of chapter 3, verse 4, and verse 19. The, the, the relationship with their father is broken. They are calling him father, father, but uh, it's not really. They're calling him friend, friend, but it's not really. They need the reconciliation. Friends, we need to be reconciled to God. And praise be to him, for Jesus Christ, uh, he through his blood, we are reconciled to God. And when you walk with him, when you are reconciled with him, the dominant power of what your heart might be the enemy is taken away. The dominant power of that enemy. You begin to have a settled, abiding, and progressive walking with the Lord. 
Now you may feel sometimes your walk with him is very slow, but you are still moving ahead with him. And like the way the Bible put it, those who walk with the Lord, they grow from strength to strength. Or in the New Testament, they grow from one glory to another. Secondly, and when we look at these few verses, two things come to mind. Number one, we can maintain, keep and walk, maintain our walk with God if what comes on the screen, I think is that the one I'm looking, yes, listening to God's word, so vital is key to keeping and maintaining this closer walk with God. God longed for his people to listen to him. In fact, this was the key thing to the first person in the Bible, we are told, who walked with God. Well, apart from in Genesis chapter 3, God was walking in the garden with Eden and tried to find them where he was hiding. But there's one person in the Bible, and his name is Enoch. And Enoch, we are told, when he had lived the 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And uh, he became the father, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years. See, those days, they used to live longer. Altogether, Enoch lived for a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him. What is interesting when you read that passage, that his walk with the Lord started during the time when people begin to call on the name of the Lord. Look at chapter 4, verse 26. That's the time people begin to call. In other words, there's a communication going on there. That's when he uncovered the true delight of walking with God. But more importantly, observe that, that it is only after the son was born. In other words, 65 years lived without walking with God. Yesterday, as you can see, I have a new haircut. I was in the, in the barber sitting there, and there was this guy came and had a right, really nice haircut. And then the barber said, well, there were many there, they say, what are you going to, to do the rest of your life today? It was 3 o'clock. And the guy said, I'm going to waste it. What are you going to do with your life for the rest of the day? His answer was, I'm going to waste it. West life. There was a laugh. I did laugh as well. But then in my sermon, you know, whenever you go, you think in West life, this Enoch. Friends, don't waste life. And you don't know how many years you still have to go. But then when the son was born, it looks like God must have spoken to him. The birth of Methuselah had an influence in his life. And I don't want to go into all the details there. When you look at the name, the meaning of the name, a man of the dad, or other people will say, 
you know, when it is sand, it is sand, or when you, you dig deep, after Methuselah die, they're going to be the flood. So it's like God was warning him, prepare your life for something disaster is coming. And then he decided it's better me to listen. Do you have any significant event in your life that God has been speaking to you to say, I better adjust my life. For him, it was the birth of Methuselah. But you know, friends, in Jobs it says, for God it does speak in one way or the other. Sometimes he speaks in a dream, in a vision, in a deep sleep, in circumstances. Sometimes we pay no attention. But we know that this is the ultimate way God speaks to us through Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the disciple, were told, listen to him, the living God. Do you have something that the Lord is speaking to you as circumstances? What about us as a nation and as a world? Did the pandemic change anything in our work with God to begin with? Or we are back again to the same things. Enoch pleased God in the midst of a wicked, crooked, perverse society. He was around with so many people, but Enoch decided to walk with God. I need to press on to finish. When you read the life of Enoch, as he walked with God, God was speaking to him. And in order to please God, he had to act by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, they said, By faith, Enoch was taken. And it is without faith, without faith, no one can please God. So Enoch had faith. You see, when God speaks to you, he brings also faith and he wants you to act. If he tells you this is a dangerous path and you're thinking, I don't want to go. And he's saying to you, trust me, I'm leading the way. And if you trust, he will show you the next stage. Faith. But not only he acted by faith, he spoke also the word to other people. That's what brings us to the New Testament. He spoke of God. Look at the book of Jude and verse 14 and 15. Don't have time. You can go home and, and read that. He spoke of the word. In fact, he told even when he did not see Jesus physically, but already in the eyes of faith, he could see that one day Jesus will return. Faith can enable us to see the things which are unseen. It reminded me of a hymn we used to sing, I want to walk with Jesus all the days of my life. Follow him for him. Give your life to him. The joy that he gives. I want to learn to speak of him. My life must show that he lives in me. I can see some following me. And I want to read his word. For this is how I know the way. Live my life as it pleases him. But you know friends, intimacy with God costs. It leaves its mark 
When you read the people who had the intimacy with God, you'll see them. But let me finish with this second thing we need to do. If you want to keep and maintain his prayer. A private. And I don't have time. We have been going through this theme. But someone, his name is Origin. Or Origen, I, I learned him in French. He said that the day he offered incense to an idol, he went out of his closest without making a secret prayer. In other words, as he forget to pray, life went badly for him. Prayer, or prayer, or prayer. That was these people neglected. In chapter 3, verse 4, they cried to the Lord as a father and friend, but actually the prayer became like a popping and pop out. When they are in danger, when the drought was there, Lord, help us! And when the things are passing, we forget you. And this is sometimes when I observe in our nation, some of our vision, when something bad and terrible happened, even those who don't think of God flock to a church. Why not pray to him before disaster happened? Prayer keeps us in a sweet communion with the Lord. Let me finish. Is it exciting to walk with God? It is. It is sweet. This morning I was looking at the sermon and I remembered a song I used to sing in my language. Ah, I wish I could sing that. Sherry, I can't remember that. In other words, sweet, delicious to walk with God. And then the song goes on. Sometimes it doesn't look like that because it goes uh, through the valley. We lose people. We go through the tri tribulation and the trouble and everything. And we cry. And the world, look, look at these people who walk with the Lord. They think they are so happy. But look at the trouble. But then when you come to the Bible, we know, friends, that even through the trouble, the Lord gives us the strength of every day. Strength for today, but also a hope for tomorrow. Because at the end of the day, friends, at the end of the journey, there is heaven. Enoch walked. At the end of his journey, there was heaven. He was found no more. And one day, even when our bodies are really tortured and suffering, like I was reading this morning about uh, this uh, uh, John uh, Stan who went to China and another one who, uh, Betty Scott, went also to China. Young people as a missionary, one 27, the other one 28, and they've just had their first child being taken hostage and they were ready to be killed. And they said, you can kill us, but leave the pastor of these friends so that he can leave. Oh, friends, to walk with Jesus can be costly. 
It can cause the death, but even when death comes, it's not the end. There is heaven. If you haven't yet started walking with the Lord, come, I plead with you. If you have been walking with the Lord for many years, walk closerly than you did yesterday. You and I who have the privilege to preach the word, in fact, all of us, because we are priesthood of holy believers, or go to Malachi when it says the father of the Levite, the father of the priest, they were the people who walked with God with the aim to turn others from their sins. May our life in secret and public be devoted to turning others from their sins. And tear every idol, whatever that be in our lives, so that we can walk closely with God. Do you realize how lost you are? Do I realize how lost I am? Do you realize that uh, you need a repentance? Do I realize I need a repentance? Do you realize that you need to walk in the fear of the Lord? Do I realize that? Do we as a church want to embark in this ancient path? We'll find the rest through peace and the rest for our souls. Oh, for a closer walk with God. To God be the glory. Amen.